You're listening to Engage, the podcast for Delta pilots. On today's episode, special guest Tony Roloff from the training committee with tips, tricks, and tidbits on how to succeed in Delta training. Here's your host, Ryan Argenta. Welcome back to another episode of Engage. I'm here with Tony Roloff from the training committee. Tony, welcome to the show or welcome back to the show. This is your second time. We heard you from the strike committee and now from training. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you've been a longtime member of both the strike preparedness committee and the training committee. And we've actually not had an episode on training. So with new contract implementation, this is an important topic, hugely important and potentially stressful time for pilots facing training. Tony, what do you want to tell pilots from the training committee? What do you do for pilots? How can you help us? What do you want pilots to know? I guess what I'd like to start is where do I start when I get into work? We get pilots from all over. We all come from different backgrounds. We've all had different careers. And uh, some pilots we get, they haven't been to training in 10, 15, 20 years. They're used to showing up from day one with a stack of binders and a stack of papers. And you all do the cellophane, you put page one into binder one, and then you do that for a couple hours, then you break for lunch. We don't do that anymore. We also have pilots coming from the military or from the regionals that have never taken electronic system validation, the electronic oral, or they haven't seen e-briefs or other things. So first someone calls and says, hey, I don't know where to start. We just say, hey, take a deep breath. We're going to get you to where you need to be. And we talk about what their background is, what their expectations are. And we kind of start with some training references. There's several of them out there. And you can pick and choose whatever works for you. If you want some references about your training footprint, what it looked like or whether you actually want to roll up your sleeves and start in the systems right away. FOM chapter 20, PWA chapter 11, 22, the uh, section 11 is for training and 22 is for selling the vacancies. Airway manual chapter four is a good resource as well. Your flight shoe training manual. Now a lot of pilots used to be using the DIG, the Delta instructor guide. We don't use that anymore. That went away not too long ago. It's gone to a student study guide now. And in there, you'll find basically the flows for each of your SIM, as well as hyperlinks to the source documents. So it's iPad friendly, and it should open up the documents when you click on the hyperlink. If it doesn't, let us know. There's also the volume one or the FCOM, depending on your in Boeing or, or Airbus. There's also a volume two. The FCOM incorporates volume one and volume two. We used to have to follow every air molecule going through the air cycle machine or how to build the hydraulic pumps or the fuel pumps. We really don't need to know that level of knowledge anymore. It's in the books. You can find it, but I really don't recommend studying that for your ESV, your electronic oral, or for your 200 series. If you want to get into that later on, that's all great. The more you know, the better, but really just stick with the uh, learning objective guide. That's another great document and the e-briefs. So learning objectives, that's the LOD is what we know it as, right? And yeah. so you stick to that because the questions on the ESV are pulled from that question bank. Absolutely. The learning objective document is roughly a little over a hundred page document. It has all 15 systems for Delta aircraft. Every Delta airplane has 15 systems from airplane general all the way to warning systems. In there, you'll find the general knowledge that the company expects you to master. And there, there's also references for whether it's in the volume two or volume one or the FCOM. The good thing about this is this has all the information you need to take the ESV. Now the ESV is about 100 and 
55-ish question, multiple choice test, you're going to have four hours to complete. Open book test, you can use every book except for the learning objective document, LOD. What I suggest when I talk to pilots who ask me, where do I start? I say, go through the LOD. And when you find a section where you have a hard time remembering, let's just say you can't remember exactly what's on the green hydraulic system for the A320, then go ahead, bookmark that. So you have that ready available for you when you come across that question on the ESV. You don't have time in four hours to look up every single question. Now, there are pilots taking the ESV every week that push up against a four-hour limit. There are pilots who take it with under an hour. I think knowing how to take the test is just as important as knowing the material in the test. When you show up for the ESV, the day of, you're going to have an instructor who will walk you through maybe a couple-hour systems review. In that couple-hour systems review, there's a chance to interactive and ask some questions and clear up any, anything that you might have. But also, the instructor is going to show up a slide, and the slide is going to have all 15 systems of your airplane, and it's going to have how many questions are in each section. So let's just take the APU has 10 questions, and you need to get an 80% on that test. Well, even I can do that math. You need to get 8 out of 10. So how I take the test, and I've never failed a section, is I keep track of how many questions are in that section, and then as I answer them, I put a little check mark saying, I got one right, I got two right, I got three right. If I come to a question that I really don't know, then I'll skip that one, and then I'll move on. And if I think I have an 80% by the end, and then that question I skip comes up, I don't spend a lot of time on it. I try and get it right. The goal is to get 100%. You want to do well on tests, but I don't waste time looking it up for a long period of time. I just do the best I can and move on. And that's how I take the test. Now, there's a thing on the ESV called expanded mode. Let's just say in this example, there's 10 questions on the APU. And you get to question 11. Well, guess what? You didn't get 8 out of 10. You got something less than 8 out of 10. And the question bank will keep on expanding until either you get 80% or exhaust all the questions in the question bank. So it's giving you a chance to get the 80% by feeding you more questions. So if you know there's 10 questions on APU and you get to question 11, 12, and 13, don't panic. Don't panic. No, don't panic because you have time. Let's just say there's 20 questions. You may get to question 16 and then it moves on to engines. If that happens, then you probably got to 80% you know you're good to go. Yeah. So it seems that with the new ESB format and the lack of systems training or classes like we used to have, it's essentially self-taught, self-study. Some pilots, both new and senior, are experiencing some difficulties with this ESB. And so these are the tips on how to get through it. And if you have specific questions for training, the training committee is there to help you out before you get into training. Or if you're in training and you're like, oh my gosh, I have the ESV tomorrow and I'm freaking out. How do I get a hold of Tony Roloff or how do I get a hold of somebody in training with a training related question? We prefer to use the DART system for questions. Dart.alpa.org. Yep. And then so like uh, training. Or you can email the training committee directly at daltraining.org. Or you can just pick up the phone and call 1-800-USA-ALPA and ask to be transferred to training. We're there from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Awesome. And really, that's anytime pre-training. It's worth your time. These guys are super helpful, super knowledgeable on all things training-related and highly recommend sending an email, a dart, a phone call, and go into training feeling good, feeling confident, knowing that training has your back. The instructors want to see you succeed. So like Tony said, just breathe and don't panic. What other tips and tidbits do you have for getting through training? There's really 
two things that you need to study while you're studying for your ESV. You need to study the learning objectives document to pass the test. And you also need to study your flows. When you show up to day one in the 200 series, the instructor is going to have some type of expectation that you know your flows. Now, do you have to be perfect at them? Do they expect you to not make any mistakes or have any questions? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you go in there and can't even spell the word flow, you're going to have a rough sim period. So from my committee, we like to say, study the flows and study the LOD simultaneously. There's two LODs actually. There's a SLOD for the systems. That's the one I'm referring to. And then there's a PA LOD. That's PLD is basically for FMS management and uh, procedures. You'll have time to study that in the 200 series. Don't bother studying that prior to passing the ESV. And then last, I'd like to mention the e-briefs. E-briefs are great. I love them. Everybody learns just a little bit differently, but I think everybody likes to have a video and watch a buddy do the procedure, whether it's a normal procedure or a non-normal procedure. One of the problems with the e-briefs though, is that as procedures change through the normal course of time, that e-briefs may not keep up. Just know that when you're going into the e-briefs that you have to look at the source documents as well to make sure that you're up to speed on any new procedures or changes. And another thing I'd like to mention lastly for this part is training critiques. Please fill out the training critiques. That's how the training program gets improved. So please be as detailed as you want, or if you need to contact us directly about an observation or an issue that you have, we prefer either an email or a phone call with that one. Okay. And you fill out the training critique after, and who sees that, both the company and the training committee? Yes, absolutely. The company and the training committee chairman will see those. Great. So give that feedback and that's helpful. Hook up your buddy who's going to go through training next. Yes. All right. I want to bring up a point that has come up quite a bit recently, and this is fit to train, fit to fly, getting good rest before you go to training. Talk to me about that. Great. We get this every week, probably a couple of times a week. One thing I always say, do not get into an airplane and do not get into a sim unless you're properly rested and properly nourished. The company feels that way. We feel that way. It really is just common sense. We don't do any emergency takeoffs at the company. We don't do any emergency simulator events either. You need min rest, which is 10 hours. And you can find that in PWA section 11 F10. So make sure that you're ready to go and you're well rested. Okay. So you don't have to push through it. Like we all know how to call fatigue on a real flight, right? You call the duty pilot, go through that. We've done episodes on it, but now you're training and this is kind of a weird gray area where it's not a real airplane, but it's also potentially a jeopardy event. So you want to be rested going into it. What about I've deadheaded in the day before I'm at the hotel and I just get lousy sleep. There's the trucks on the highway and there's a party next door and I've got, you know, four, four X the next day. Who do I call? Do I just push through? Do I call my instructor? Do I call the duty pilot at that point? Who do I work with in those situations? And of course, it's going to be an A period and it's 3.30 in the morning, right? Exactly. That's usually how it happens. Well, that's a great question. Just call in fatigued, use the normal process, call the OCC duty pilot. You can also call your instructor. That's also a great resource. That person will probably appreciate a call at that time of the morning so they don't have to travel into work if the sim's not going to go. Do not go into a sim event, especially check-in event, if you're not properly rested. If you're up all night, whether you live here, and let's just say you have young kids and they kept you up all night, no fault of your own, but you didn't get any sleep, or there was other type of life event that kept you up. We all have those. 
call them fatigued and the company will reschedule. Okay. You heard it here. So tips and tricks from the training committee. Tony, thanks for your help on that. Training can be stressful. It can be a big deal, but there's people here to support you. So you can get through training and get to your new airplane and just enjoy flying the line. Tony, what if you're in a long program or you're in a qualification course and you're just not vibing with your instructor? You're having a conflict with that person. How do you handle that situation? A great question. This doesn't come up that often, but when it does, it's extremely stressful for that individual. And so it is like the most important thing on the planet for that person and that day. First of all, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be okay. So you can take a deep breath and it's going to be okay because we have provisions in our PWA 11.I.13, 11.I.14. One is for uh, the simulator, another is for OE. Basically what that says is if unfortunate circumstances arise and there is some type of personality conflict that you have at no fault of anybody's, sometimes that just happens in life, then there is a provision for you to get a new instructor, whether it's a sim instructor or a line checker. And what does that look like? How do you do that? There's a few ways that you could go down that avenue. One is you can call the training committee. The preferred way is to call the chief training captain. And you can find that person's contact on your fleets page. You scroll the way down to the bottom and you select the hyperlink that says contact us. And that'll bring you up a page of everything from the fleet captain all the way to chief line check pilot to chief training captain, all that. But you want to reach out to the chief training captain. If you have a hard time finding that contact, you can always reach out to the OCC duty pilot and he'll uh, get you that person right away. And it doesn't have to be this big dramatic thing, right? Sometimes you just don't communicate well or work well with a particular instructor or an instructor's style, and you just need somebody else that can communicate with you or walk you through this training process. So it's not necessarily like a big event that happened or a blowout. This is just, Hey man, I'm not really getting what you're laying down in training. I'd like to try somebody else and they're going to happily take care of you to get you through that training. Yeah, absolutely. This is not a personal thing to where you're going to get anybody in trouble or anything like that. This is your training and you should feel comfortable with whoever your instructor is, whether it's in the sim or doing a light check or OE. So really it's not a big deal. The chief training captain will help handle this very discreetly and get you to where you need to be with who you need to be with. Very good. And tell me about these new provisions about mandatory days off. So Ryan, there's a whole bunch of new stuff that we got. For the pilots, I'd like to draw people's attention to one in particular that I've gotten some questions on lately. It's in section 11, F19 through 20, and it talks about how many days you're going to be scheduled for initial qual. In there, the verbiage, it talks about how you may be due some compensatory days off. What I suggest you do is when you're scheduled for initial training, just review PWA 11, F19 through 20 and contact the training committee if you think you're owed any compensatory days off. Perfect. What else you got for training success? This is your training. This is your opportunity to learn your new platform as best you can. If there is a simulator event where the simulator breaks continuously, the instructor will probably incomplete you. Use that next simulator event for the completion to get everything you can out of it. Ask your questions. The instructors, I think, are some of the best on the planet, and they will stay as long as you want in the debrief to answer any of your questions. Do not leave the debrief thinking, well, I should have asked that, or maybe I shouldn't ask this question. There are no dumb questions. Ask every question that you have. I think that's probably one of the biggest things when people stub their toe. 
maybe some of the things that they don't do. They don't ask the instructor as many questions as maybe they should have. Very good. Another thing is have a plan for training. We're all creatures of a habit and have a routine. You're going to go to the sim. You're going to take a break just for a little bit to get something to eat and decompress and then hit it hard again with the student guide, the e-briefs, and maybe hooking up with your sim partner to go over the next day's event. Have a routine and stick to that routine. What about repeating an event? What if you need to repeat an event or you're having some difficulty with a particular thing and you have to repeat it? Is that a big deal? Does that really impact your training mm -hmm. timeline? Like nobody wants to spend more time in training. And same question, but what if you're feeling like you're kind of being passed through this course, but you're not absorbing and you want another ride or you want extra help? Tell me about that. Yeah. So you're talking about stubbing your toe. That's what I refer to it as. You okay. have to read an event. So you have a 203 that didn't go too well. And the instructor says, I'm not going to recommend you. Well, that sounds pretty bad, right? Again, take a deep breath. It's okay. Because from the ESV up until your 241X, you get three additional training periods. That means that you can have three extra sim outside of your 241. So you check ride or the next events does not count as one of your additional training peers. So in this example, you have a hard time on 203, you're gonna get a 203R to where they're gonna focus on everything that you were deficient in in your first sim event. Hopefully you'll pass that and then you'll move on to 204. If you have a problem again, well then they'll give you another additional training period up until three, until your 241. Then you'll get an additional three from your first 300 until your 44X. They don't carry over. You get six so Jet New Day, three training events for the three and 400 series. Yes. Three additional training events for the 200s, three additional training events for the three and 400s. They don't carry over. Let's keep going down this path because there's a lot of pilots in general who are going through training. We're about to get a number of AEs going. And so there's going to be a lot more training. We're also sending through 250 new hires a month. Yeah. We are at record training pace here. So there's a lot of training events going on and there's probably a sense of feeling maybe rushed or squeezed through, or maybe you're a new hire pilot and you don't know the Delta way. You haven't been through training with us, regardless of your background, things are new. So these are questions that may come up for new hire pilots. These are also going to come up for more senior pilots as they go from say narrow bodies to the 330, the 350, you're going to go from Boeing to Airbus, which is a huge transition. And so there's a lot of potential apprehension for people to go to training and we're trying to dispel some of those myths and we're trying to give you some resources so that you understand that Delta wants you to get through training, ALPA, the MEC, the training committee wants you to get through training. And your fellow pilots want you to get through training. And so here are the little nuances that'll help you breathe, not panic and get through. And this is why we're doing this. So yeah, talk me through that. Yeah. So we mentioned the three additional training periods, 200s and then another three for the 300 or 400s. Let's say that you're a line qualified pilot. You've been here flying other aircraft for whatever many years, and you exhaust all three additional training periods. What happens then? Well, that's a little bit of a buzzkill. What, what could happen is there's going to be a FRB, which is a flight ops review board that happens. There's going to be a training committee representative along with a fleet captain, a chief pilot, a chief training captain, maybe a chief line check pilot or a new hire coordinator, if it's a new hire. 
And we're going to talk about what the best prescription is for wherever you stubbed your toe, whether it's your first repeat or you exhausted all three additional training periods. Can we walk through that one more time? Okay. So let's talk about that. If you stub your toe on the ESV, let's start there. There's a couple of different ways of stubbing your toe on an ESV. If you don't get 80% on four or less of the 15 aircraft systems for your aircraft, you're going to be pulled out of class. You're going to be review those particular systems, those particular questions, and you're going to be put right back in that day. And you're going to take those sections again, I've really never have anybody not passing at that point. If you fail five or more of the ESV systems, then you're pulled out and you have a full day of systems class with an instructor, one-on-one -on -one type of stuff. And then you take the ESV again. If you fail five or more, that counts as an additional training period okay. for ESV through 241. So if that happens, which does not happen that often, by the way, I don't want to scare the listeners out there. It does not happen that often. It is a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of want to demonstrate, like if you just took somebody off the street and you sent them through Delta training and they don't pass the ESV, right? Five of 15 sections, you're going to get one-on-one -on -one extra instruction from a human being on the sections that you need help on. Then you're going to retake the ESV. You're probably going to pass. If you don't, then the next day you're going to get a human instructor to teach you those sections again, and you're going to get another opportunity to pass the ESV. Yes. That one counts as one strike, let's call it. Each time that you don't pass five or more of the systems, then you're going to go get an additional training period. Okay. But you're going to be remediated to pass the ESV. You're essentially going to be taught the test to take the test. Yes. So Absolutely. now you've made it through the ESV. Now you go on to the 200s. And like you mentioned, you get three total strikes, let's call it. If yes. you've burned one on the ESV, you have two remaining. And now you're stressed out about the ESV. Now you're past that. And you're just struggling through the 200 series. You get two additional training periods. And what happens? I don't even think we need to go down that path, right? Like you're going to be trained sufficiently to make it through the 200s. It will, but there are limits that are codified in our documents with the company. And if you exhaust those three additional training periods and you are, let's just say, a qualified pilot that's been here flying other aircraft for years, the board will meet with the people I mentioned before. And one of the options that could happen, it was be awarded a training failure. In that case, what would happen is the pilot would go back to the previous seat in aircraft. So for instance, A320 co-pilot goes to the 76. ER captain seat, can't get through the 200s, awarded a training failure. He'll go back to the right seat of the A320, its previous aircraft and previous seat. So I talked about the event of a qualified pilot being awarded a training failure. The buzzkill comes with a new hire pilot. There is no previous aircraft for the pilot to go back to. So the options are very limited. These are some of the toughest boards that we're on. And if that happens, you need to immediately reach out to the training committee to talk about your options. Can I maybe foot stomp that for the new hires who are in training or approaching training? Ask for help early. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid. Don't just stomach this and say, man, I'm not doing well. I'm just struggling through this program. It's so fast paced and I feel like I'm just being pushed through or squeezed through and I'm not handling. Reach out to the training committee. You also have a new hire mentor. You also have other pilots, other new hire pilots that you can reach out to. The training committee is a great resource. So I'm kind of foot stomping here before this gets away from you, hit pause and breathe and talk to your instructor. Say, I'm not quite getting this. I just give me a second. I need to talk to the training committee, pick up the phone, 1-800-USA-ALPA, send a dart, 
get in touch by email and talk to somebody who's going to help you process this. And so you can maybe prog out how you're going to get through training before you get to your second additional training period. You're like, oh man, I get one more strike and then I'm done. There are resources here available to all pilots, even new hires. Good point, Ryan. And when I do my new hire briefs, I always say, don't go into the sim or an airplane with the weight of the world on your shoulders. There's a lot of resources here at Delta Airlines and at the Airline Pilot Association to help pilots who are having some human factors. And what I generally see is for pilots who stub their toe during training, it's not that they can't fly or program a box, it's that they have all this other stuff going on. It's tough to compartmentalize when there's other human factors going on. We all have parents that get sick and spouses and children that get sick or unfortunate deaths in the family. And if any of these things happen, then please call and all stop. Talk to your new hire mentor, like you mentioned, talk to your sim instructor, you can talk to the training committee, you can talk to your rep. There's so many different ways that you can get information out there and raise your hand for help. I know it's tough for a new hire, just raise your hands and say, I need help because you want to just get through training, have nobody know your name, be under the radar. But if you really have some human factors going on, get the help. The company is very generous with giving time off or whatever resources you need to fix whatever's going on in your personal life. And then come on back to training because Delta, they want a full up round coming to training. They want you to succeed. And I'm going to cross plug PAN, the Pilot Assistance Network here. You can call PAN if you have a major event going on. You need to talk to somebody, even if it's just you're stressed. It's another peer-to-peer. -peer, it's pilot-to-pilot. -pilot, it's anonymous. It's confidential. Call PAN and say, you know what? I'm a new hire. I'm at my dream job. I'm in training. I'm going through a divorce. And my dad just died. And I am maxed out. And they'll walk you through it. They got you. We work very closely with PAN, and that's one of the first resources that we, uh, we ask. And I do want to give a plug out to PAN and say thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for all your help. You do great work. Absolutely, they do. So we'll plug that. But yeah, please be rested for training. Please don't go through training unnecessarily. You've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. There's resources here to help the training committee, PAN, all the things we talked about. Tony, what else? Well, I said there aren't many good options for new hires. The Endeavor Flows, they are covered under LOA number nine, which is a flow through agreement. And the big picture on that, the 30,000 foot view is if they are awarded a training failure somewhere through training, then they have the option of flowing back to an, if you want some more information on that, I suggest you talk to your new hire mentor, or you can call the training committee. Well, let's transition there. Now you've made it through training and now you're on OE. Similar thing. Now you're in the real airplane. I remember the first time you fly the real airplanes, like, so this is nothing like the simulator. So same things apply where if you have a conflict with a line check airman or you're just not jibing with them, there's still those resources of like, Hey, I need another ride or I need to try another line check airman. I'm just not getting it with this particular check airman. Right. And then what if I just, I'm making it through and I'm doing okay, but I just don't feel ready and I need another ride. Is that a possibility? Well. Yes. Yes, it is. First, I like to start by saying that when you're getting to OE, please take a, at least a brief look at FOM chapter 20 and airway manual chapter four in there that talks about what type of uh, experience you need on OE for all different fleets and all different situations. It's very detailed. There's lots of charts in there. I can't go cover everything in this episode, but look at that chapter and if you have questions, give us a call or ask your line check airman. Airway Manual Chapter 4 talks about consolidation. 
I'd like to mention about the hours. Generally speaking, you're going to need somewhere between 25 and maybe a little bit more hours for OE, depending on your situation. If a pilot goes over 50 hours for OE, we meet up an FORB and we just all get together and talk about where the pilot is, what we need to what prescribe to, to get them qualified. There is a 75 hour max for OE. And if you're pushing up against that, the board will meet again and decide what the best prescription is for you. Okay. Understood. So get up to 50 hours, potentially up to 75 hours to complete your OE. And bottom line, if you need extra help, you need another ride, ask for it. Reach out to the training committee, reach out to your check airmen. Very good. Okay. Let me see. We are seeing in some instances that the LMS is not pushed to the pilot in a timely fashion. You should get you should get it at least a month ahead of time. So no, those are the, the CBTs. Those are the online training that you have to complete before training. Right. Yes. So if that's the case, contact crew resource and ask them to push your LMS training. And how do if, I find that? Go to the <laughs> crew resource the scheduling tab on the Delta net, and there you'll find a hyperlink or a smart sheet to crew resources, and they can push any LMS that you think that you may need and you haven't gotten in a timely fashion. Very good. Same resource, if you've completed a module and it's not logging it as completed, you can reach out to that same, the same people and they'll figure it out for you. Yeah. As far as OE scheduling, I suggest when you're approaching your maybe mid 400s to look up training update 21-02 that talks about scheduling rules for OE. So bottom line is you're going to need 48 hours notice before pilot reports for any OE if more than 10 days have passed since completing a simulator event. There are cases to where it could be reduced to 30 hours, and I'll let you read the training update for that, and you can um, take a look at that and call us any, if you have any questions. All other training that's outside that, whether it's SRQ or recency or RECY or anything like that, it's in that training update as well, as well, and it's in the bottom of it. And it talks about reasonable notice and in concurrence with the pilots. If you have any problems getting those days off or anything, please reach out to us at the training committee. All your cheap pilot office is also a good resource. Well, let's end on a positive, Tony. This is all good stuff. So just to wrap this up, I really want you to write the training critiques and be as detailed as you can. The company and the union are working on a once-in-a-generation IQ rewrite, the initial qualification syllabus. We're incorporating a lot of new procedures, trying to get standardization across fleets. There's a lot going on with this IQ rewrite and the critiques are paying. So please write your critiques, especially now, because they will be looked at in detail with multiple people and they will be taken seriously. So keep those critiques coming. Awesome. Make training better for everybody. How to succeed in training from the training committee, Tony Roloff. Thanks so much for this. This is great information. We appreciate it. Thank you. This has been Engage, the podcast from Delta Pilots. Thanks for listening. My name is Ryan Argenta. Stay safe and keep the rubber on the road. You're listening to Engage, the podcast for Delta Pilots. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform and receive notifications when a new episode is available.